Chapter 12 of French Medieval Romances from the Lays of Marie de France. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Haggis Reflux. French Medieval Romances from the Lays of Marie de France by Marie de France. Translated by Eugene Mason. Chapter 12 The Lay of Milan. He who would tell diverse tales must know how to vary the tune. To win the favor of any, he must speak to the understanding of all. I purpose in this place to show you the story of Milan, and since few words are best, I will set out the adventure as briefly as I may. Milan was born in South Wales. So great was his prowess that from the day he was dubbed knight there was no champion who could stand before him in the lists. He was a passing fair knight, open and brave, courteous to his friends and stern to his foes. Men praised his name in whatever realm they talked of gallant deeds. Ireland, Norway, and Wales, yea, from Jutland even to Albania. Since he was praised by the Frank, he was therefore envied of the mean. Nevertheless, by reason of his skill with the spear, he was counted a very worshipful knight, and was honorably entreated by many a prince in diverse lands. In Milan's own realm there lived a lord whose name has gone from mind. With this baron dwelt his daughter, a passing fair and gracious damsel. Much talk had this maiden heard of Milan's knightly deeds, so that she began to set her thoughts upon him, because of the good men spoke of him. She sent him a message by a sure hand, saying that if her love was to his mind, sweetly would it be to her heart. Milan rejoiced greatly when he knew this thing, he thanked the lady for her words, giving her love again in return for her own, and swearing that he would never depart therefrom any day of his days. Beyond this courteous answer, Milan bestowed on the messenger costly gifts, and made him promises that were richer still. Friend, said he, of your charity I pray you that I may have speech with my friend, in such a fashion that none shall know of our meeting. Carry her this, my golden ring. Tell her, on my part, that so she pleases, she shall come to me, or, if it be her better pleasure, I will go to her. The messenger bade farewell, and returned to his lady. He placed the ring in her hand, saying that he had done her will, as he was bidden to do. Right joyous was the damsel to know that Milan's love was tender as her own. She required her friend to come for speech within the private garden of her house, where she was wont to take her delight. Milan came at her commandment. He came so often, and so dearly she loved him, that in the end she gave him all that maid may give. When the damsel perceived how it was with her, she sent messages to her friend, telling him of her case and making great sorrow. "'I have lost my father and all his wealth,' said the lady." for when he hears of this matter he will make of me an example. Either I shall be tormented with the sword, or else he will sell me as a slave in a far country. For such was the usage of our fathers in the days of this tale. Milan grieved sorely, and made answer that he would do the thing the damsel thought most seemly to be done. When the child is born, replied the lady, you must carry him forthwith to my sister. She is a rich dame, pitiful and good, and is wedded to a lord of Northumberland. You will send messages with the babe, both in writing and by speech, that the little innocent is her sister's child. 
whether it be a boy or girl, his mother will have suffered much because of him, and for her sister's sake you will pray her to cherish the babe. Beyond this I shall set your signet by a lace about his neck, and write letters wherein shall be made plain the name of his sire, and the sad story of his mother. When he shall have grown tall, and of an age to understand these matters, his aunt will give him your ring, and rehearse to him the letter. If this be done, perchance the orphan will not be fatherless all his days. Milan approved the counsel of the lady, and when her time had come, she was brought to bed of the boy. The old nurse who tended her mistress was privy to the damsel's inmost mind. So warily she went to work, so cunning was she in gloss and concealment, that none within the palace knew that there was aught to hide. The damsel looked upon her boy, and saw that he was very fair. She laced the ring about his neck, and set the letter that it were death to find within a silken chatelaine. The child was then placed in his cradle, swathed close in white linen. A pillow of feathers was put beneath his head, and over all was laid a warm coverlet wadded with fur. In this fashion the ancient nurse gave the babe to his father, who awaited him within the garden. Milan commended the child to his men, charging them to carry him loyally, by such towns as they knew, to that lady beyond the Humber. The servitors set forth, bearing the infant with them. Seven times a day they reposed them in their journey, so that the women might nourish the babe, and bathe and tend him duly. They served their lord so faithfully, keeping such watch upon the way, that at the last they won to the lady to whom they were bidden. The lady received them courteously, as became her breeding. She broke the seal of the letter, and when she was assured of what was therein, marvelously she cherished the infant. These, having bestowed the boy in accordance with their lord's commandment, returned to their own land. Milan went forth from his realm to serve beyond the seas for guerdon. His friend remained within her house and was granted by her father in marriage to a right rich baron of that country. Though this baron was a worthy knight, justly esteemed of all his fellows, the damsel was grieved beyond measure when she knew her father's will. She called to mind the past, and regretted that Milan had gone from the country, since he would have helped her in her need. "'Alas!' said the lady, "'what shall I do? I doubt that I am lost, for my lord will find that his bride is not a maid. If this becomes known, they will make me a bondwoman for all my days. Would that my friend were here to free me from this coil!' It were good for me to die rather than to live, but by no means can I escape from their hands. They have set warders about me, men, old and young, whom they call my chamberlains, contemners of love, who delight themselves in sadness. But endure it I must, for, alas, I know not how to die. So, on the appointed day, the lady was wedded to the baron, and her husband took her to dwell with him in his fief. When Milan returned to his own country, he was right heavy and sorrowful to learn of this marriage. He lamented his wretched case, but in this he found comfort, that he was not far from the realm where his lady abode, whom so tenderly he loved. Milan commenced to think within himself how best he might send letters to the damsel that he was come again to his home, yet so that none should have knowledge thereof. He wrote a letter and sealed it with his seal. This message he made fast to the neck, and hid within the plumage of a swan that was long his, and was greatly to his heart. He bade his squire to come, and made him his messenger. "'Change thy raiment swiftly,' said he, "'and hasten to the castle of my friend. 
Take with thee my swan, and see that none, neither servant nor handmaid, delivers the bird to my lady, save thyself alone. The squire did according to his lord's commandment. He made him ready quickly, and went forth, bearing the swan with him. He went by the nearest road, and, passing through the streets of the city, came before the portal of the castle. In answer to his summons, the porter drew near. Friend, said he, hearken to me. I am of Caerleon, and a fowler by craft. Within my nets I have snared the most marvellous swan in the world. This wondrous bird I would bestow forthwith upon your lady, but perforce I must offer her the gift with my own hand. Friend, replied the porter, fowlers are not always welcomed of ladies. If you come with me I will bring you where I may know whether it pleases my lady to have speech with you and to receive your gift. The porter entered in the hall, where he found none but two lords seated at a great table, playing chess for their delight. He swiftly returned on his steps, and the fowler with him, so furtively withal that the lords were not disturbed at their game, nor perceived aught of the matter. They went, therefore, to the chamber of the lady. In answer to their call, the door was opened to them by a maiden, who led them before her dame. When the swan was proffered to the lady, it pleased her to receive the gift. She summoned a varlet of her household, and gave the bird to his charge, commanding him to keep it safely, and to see that it ate enough, and to spare. "'Lady,' said the servitor, "'I will do your bidding. We shall never receive from any fowler on earth such another bird as this. The swan is fit to serve at a royal table, for the bird is plump as he is fair.' The varlet put the swan in his lady's hands. She took the bird kindly, and, smoothing his head and neck, felt the letter that was hidden beneath its feathers. The blood pricked in her veins, for well she knew that the writing was sent her by her friend. She caused the fowler to be given of her bounty, and bade the men to go forth from her chamber. When they had parted, the lady called a maiden to her aid. She broke the seal, and, unfastening the letter, came upon the name of Milan at the head. She kissed the name a hundred times through her tears. When she might read the writing, she learned of the great pain and dolor that her lover suffered by day and by night. In you, he wrote, is all my pleasure, and in your white hands it lies to heal me or to slay. Strive to find a plan by which we may speak as friend to friend, if you would have me live. The knight prayed her in his letter to send him an answer by means of the swan. If the bird were well guarded and kept without provand for three days, he would of a surety fly back to the place from whence he came, with any message that the lady might lace about his neck. When the damsel had considered the writing, and understood what was put therein, she commanded that her bird be tended carefully, and given plenteously to eat and to drink. She held him for a month within her chamber, but this was less from choice than for the craft that was necessary to obtain the ink and parchment requisite for her writing. At the end she wrote a letter according to her heart, and sealed it with her ring. The lady caused the swan to fast for three full days, then, having concealed the message about his neck, let him take his flight. The bird was all a-hungered for food, and remembering well the home from which he drew, he returned thither as quickly as his wings might bear him. He knew again his town and his master's house, and descended to the ground at Milan's very feet. Milan rejoiced greatly when he marked his own. He caught the bird by his wings, and, crying for his steward, bade him give the swan to eat. The knight removed the missive from the messenger's neck. 
he glanced from head to head of the letter seeking the means that he hoped to find and the salutation he so tenderly wished sweet to his heart was the writing for the lady wrote that without him there was no joy in her life and since it was his desire to hear by the swan it would be her pleasure also for twenty years the swan was made the messenger of these two lovers who might never win together there was no speech between them save that carried by the bird they caused the swan to fast for three days and then sent him on his errand he to whom the letter came saw to it that the messenger was fed to heart's desire many a time the swan went upon his journey for however strictly the lady was held of her husband there was none who had suspicion of a bird the dame beyond the humber nourished and tended the boy committed to her charge with the greatest care when he was come to a fitting age she made him to be knighted of her lord for goodly and serviceable was the lad on the same day the aunt read over to him the letter and put in his hand the ring she told him the name of his mother and his father's story in all the world there was no worthier knight nor a more chivalrous and gallant gentleman the lad hearkened diligently to the lady's tale he rejoiced greatly to hear of his father's prowess and was proud beyond measure of his renown he considered within himself saying to his own heart that much should be required of his father's son and that he would not be worthy of his blood if he did not endeavor to merit his name he determined therefore that he would leave his country and seek adventure as a knight-errant beyond the sea the varlet delayed no longer than the evening on the morrow he bade farewell to his aunt who having warned and admonished him for his good gave him largely of her wealth to bring him on his way he rode to southampton that he might find a ship equipped for sea and so came to barfleur without any tarrying the lad went straight to brittany where he spent his money and himself in feasts and in tourneys the rich men of the land were glad of his friendship for there was none who bore himself better in the press with spear or with sword what he took from the rich he bestowed on such knights as were poor and luckless these loved him greatly since he gained largely and spent freely granting of his wealth to all wherever this knight sojourned in the realm he bore away the prize so debonair was he and chivalrous that his fame and praise crossed the water and were noised abroad in his own land folk told how a certain knight from beyond the humber who had passed the sea in quest of wealth and honor had so done that by reason of his prowess his liberality and his modesty men called him the knight peerless since they did not know his name this praise of the good knight and of his deeds came to be heard of milan very dolent was he and sorely troubled that so young a knight should be esteemed above his fathers he marvelled greatly that the stout spears of the past had not put on their harness and broken a lance for their ancient honour one thing he determined that he would cross the sea without delay so that he might joust with the dancelon and abate his pride in wrath and anger he purposed to fight to beat his adversary from the saddle and bring him at last to shame after this was ended he would seek his son of whom he had heard nothing since he had gone from his aunt's castle milan caused his friend to know of his wishes he opened out to her all his thought and craved her permission to depart this letter he sent by the swan commending the bird to her care when the lady heard of her lover's purpose she thanked him for his courtesy for greatly was his counsel to her mind she approved his desire to quit the realm for the sake of his honor 
and far from putting let and hindrance in his path trusted that in the end he would bring again her son since milan was assured of his friend's good will he arrayed himself richly and crossing the sea to normandy came afterwards into the land of the bretons there he sought the friendship of the lords of that realm and fared to all the tournaments of which he might hear milan bore himself proudly and gave graciously of his wealth as though he were receiving a gift he sojourned till the winter was past in that land he and a brave company of knights whom he held in his house with him when easter had come and the season that men give to tourneys and wars and the righting of their private wrongs milan considered how he could meet with the knight whom men called peerless at that time a tournament was proclaimed to be held at mont saint michel many a norman and breton rode to the game knights of flanders and of france were there in plenty but few fared from england milan drew to the lists among the first he inquired diligently of the young champion and all men were ready to tell from whence he came and of his harness and of the blazon on his shield at length the knight appeared in the lists and milan looked upon the adversary he so greatly desired to see now in this tournament a knight could joust with that lord who was set over against him or he could seek to break a lance with his chosen foe a player might gain or lose and he might find himself opposed either by his comrade or his enemy milan did well and worshipfully in the press and was praised of many that day but the knight peerless carried the cry from all his fellows for none might stand before him nor rival him in skill and address milan observed him curiously the lad struck so heavily he thrust home so shrewdly that milan's hatred changed to envy as he watched very comely showed the varlet and much to milan's mind the older knight set himself over against the champion and they met together in the centre of the field milan struck his adversary so fiercely that the lance splintered in his gauntlet but the young knight kept his seat without even losing a stirrup in return his spear was aimed with such cunning that he bore his antagonist to the ground milan lay upon the earth bareheaded for his helmet was unlaced in the shock his hair and beard showed white to all and the varlet was heavy to look on him whom he had overthrown he caught the destrier by the bridle and led him before the stricken man sir said he i pray you to get upon your horse i am right grieved and vexed that i should have done this wrong believe me that it was wrought unwittingly milan sprang upon his steed he approved the courtesy of his adversary and looking upon the hand that held his bridle he knew again his ring he made inquiry of the lad friend said he hearken to me tell me now the name of thy sire how art thou called who is thy mother i have seen much and gone to and fro about the world all my life i have journeyed from realm to realm by reason of tourneys and quarrels and princes wars yet never once by any knight have i been borne from my horse this day i am overthrown by a boy and yet i cannot help but love thee the varlet answered i know little of my father i understand that his name is milan and that he was a knight of wales he loved the daughter of a rich man and was loved again my mother bore me in secret and caused me to be carried to northumberland where i was taught and tended an old aunt was at the costs of my nourishing she kept me at her side till of all her gifts she gave me horse and arms and sent me here where i have remained in hope and wish i purposed to cross the sea and return to my own realm there i would seek out my father and learn how it stands between him and my mother 
I will show him my golden ring, and I will tell him of such privy matters that he may not deny our kinship, but must love me as a son, and ever hold me dear. When Milan heard these words, he could endure them no further. He got him swiftly from his horse, and taking the lad by the fringe of his hauberk, he cried, Praise be to God, for now am I healed. Fair friend, by my faith thou art my very son, for whom I came forth from my own land, and have sought through all this realm. The varlet climbed from the saddle and stood upon his feet. Father and son kissed each other tenderly, with many comfortable words. Their love was fair to see, and those who looked upon their meeting wept for joy and pity. Milan and his son departed from the tournament so soon as it came to an end, for the knight desired greatly to speak to the varlet at leisure, and to open before him all his mind. They rode to their hostel, and with the knights of their fellowship passed the hours in mirth and revelry. Milan spoke to the lad of his mother. He told him of their long love, and how she was given by her father in marriage to a baron of his realm. He rehearsed the years of separation, accepted by both with a good heart, and of the messenger who carried letters between them when there was none they dared trust in, save only the swan. The son made answer. In faith, fair father, let us return to our own land. There I will slay this husband, and you shall yet be my mother's lord. This being accorded between them, on the morrow they made them ready for the journey, and bidding farewell to their friends, set forth for Wales. They embarked in a propitious hour, for a fair wind carried the ship right swiftly to its haven. They had not ridden far upon their road, when they met a certain squire of the lady's household on his way to Brittany, bearing letters to Milan. His task was done long before sundown in chancing on the night. He gave over the sealed writing with which he was charged, praying the knight to hasten to his friend without any tarrying, since her husband was in his grave. Milan rejoiced greatly when he knew this thing. He showed the message to his son, and pressed forward without pause or rest. They made such speed, that at the end they came to the castle where the lady had her lodging. Light of heart was she when she clasped again her child. These two fond lovers sought neither countenance of their kin, nor counsel of any man. Their son handselled them together, and gave the mother to his sire. From the day they were wed, they dwelt in wealth and sweetness to the end of their lives. Of their love and content the minstrel wrought this lay. I also, who have set it down in writing, have won guerdon enough just by telling over the tale. End of chapter 12. Recording by Haggis Reflux.